Hello, high school ministry. Uh, tonight, you might be wondering why are all these people on the stage, including Jess Russo coming out now from the back. Uh, yeah, all right. And like, why am I sitting at this table? So if this is your first time or your first time in a long time, hi, my name's Kevin. I'm the high school pastor. Super glad that you're here. Tonight's going to be a little bit different. Uh, is not completely indicative of what a normal Sunday would be like. So I would just encourage you, if you find today kind of weird, come back next week. Uh, we'll be more in our normal rhythm. We're actually starting a new series next week. We're going to be studying Ruth, and Mama Lynn will be speaking next Sunday night. So I would highly encourage you to be here. Yeah, y'all clap it up for her. She's awesome. Uh, I don't even think she's in here to hear you clapping, but that's awesome. So tonight, what are we doing? We're wrapping up this series that we've been in called The Talk about love, sex, and dating. Uh, last week, if you were here, you might have thought, wow, that was really awkward. Uh, but tonight, I've brought more people to talk about these things, so that's exciting. Uh, we, we do this when we have this series, usually, where we bring in a panel of married folks to just kind of talk through some of the real-life components of relationships. Now, let me ask a couple questions before we get to that. Raise your hand if you are in a relationship currently. Okay? Raise your hand if you'd like to be married one day. Okay? You might not have raised your hand. And if you are single, and if you're in this place where you're like, you know, I just don't know that I'll ever get married. I, I hope that you'll understand that to tonight there's still stuff that you can pick up, that you can glean. Uh, I don't want to dismiss singleness. And I don't want you to feel like, well, if I've never had a boyfriend, if I've never had a girlfriend, I don't think I'll ever be married, that you're somehow less than. Please hear me when I say this. Jesus was the most complete person who ever lived. He was never married. He never had children. He lived a full, complete life. And so you are not less than just because you're not in a committed relationship at 15 years old. And you're not less than if you're not married once you're an adult. Okay, but we are in this dating series, this love series. So I asked these couples to be here. I hope that we can get some wisdom from them tonight. If you didn't pick up a sheet to jot notes down, use your phone, do something like that. Uh, we'll give a round of applause to each individual couple. So Right here, we've got Chris and Paige Birch. I'll give it up for them. Probably you recognize them if you've been here a while. In the middle, we've got Jess and Jacob Russo. Y'all give it up for the Russos. And on the far side of the stage for me, we've got Greg and Betsy Hill. Y'all give it up for them as well. All right, so here, here's how this is going to work tonight. I'm going to ask them some questions. Uh, sometimes I'll ask all three couples, sometimes just the guys, just the girls, and we're just hoping to, to get some wisdom out of this. So let me pray, and then we'll jump in, okay? God, uh, you are sovereign over all things. We acknowledge that. We thank you uh, for the gift of love, for the gift of romance, for the gift of marriage. And I thank you for these three couples who are prepared to share tonight from their hearts I pray that you'd bless their marriages. Uh, I pray that this would be just a time of them drawing closer to each other as they draw closer to you. And God, I pray that all of us sitting here in the room uh, would just be blessed by what they have to say. Give us ears to hear uh, that we might garner wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? All right. I'm going to throw it to each individual couple. First question is this. How long have you been married? So guys, starting right here closest to me, how long have you been married? We've been married a year and a half. Hey -o. A year, five months, <laughs> 16 days. Nice, nice. 
That's a good tip, guys. You should, you should always try to make sure that you know that. Lock, sock, and barrel. Okay, Russos, how long have you been married? 12 years. 12 years. And a, and a half. 12 and a half. Jacob told me, so he goes, the half is important to me. So, all right, Greg and Betsy, how long have y'all been married? 16 years, seven months. 16 years, seven months. Let's go. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> all right, so I want to ask, I, I'll tell you what, we're going to, we're going to ask the guys first this time. And I, Jacob, I'm going to start with you, and then we'll go to Greg and, then, and back around. What was one thing that was attractive to you about Jess as you were dating? I was going to, you know, make some comment about her physically, but that's inappropriate. So, okay, um, it's okay to be physically attracted, but no. So, for for those of you who may not know, Jess and I were friends for a long time before, and it wasn't like a friend zone situation, guys, just so you know, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those. Clarify that. Uh, but yeah, we were, we were friends for a long, long time, um, and so really one of the things that we were, we just always were good friends, we could always talk with each other, um, and we were always available to each other, um, so our friendship was, we just always kept getting stronger. Um, and the fact that I could talk to her about anything, um, the fact that I could uh, kind of share things that might almost be like you'd almost be ashamed to share maybe with, with someone of the opposite sex, like that was appealing, that I could just, just say anything um, and there wouldn't come a, a point of judgment or condemnation. Aww. Aw, guys, you got to be ready with that tonight. All right, Greg, what was one thing that was really attractive to you about Betsy as you guys were getting together? First, I would like to say that the physical attraction isn't, there's nothing wrong with no, saying that. No, not at all. Absolutely That's not. generally the first reason you approach somebody. You're like, hey, they're attractive. Sure. I'd like to get to know them. <laughs> um, but one of the first things that I think stood out that she was different was her sense of humor. Is that better? That's better. Um, she can have a juvenile sense of humor like me. <laughs> She'll keep it hid for most people, but she would open that up in front of me, and I just thought that was awesome. <laughs> Aw, Betsy, would you, no, don't share right now, that's okay. Uh, Birch, what was one of the things that was attractive to, to you about Paige? Well, the cool thing, like the first time I actually saw her is when she walked in to here. She walked in uh, to be volunteer for the middle school 10 years ago through those doors, and I was at that desk. I was an intern uh, at the time. Uh, and so she walked in, I was like, whoa, she's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> she also walked in with this tall guy, though, and I was like, ugh. It was this guy. He did not want to serve, so here I am. No. Sounds like Chris is plugging for serving right now. You should now. serve. You should serve. You Because there's know. ladies in this room that are watching. Uh, we do need some guys, so that's just a I wasn't going to say that, but thank you. We need some high school guys to pour in, because remember, you were awkward middle schooler, too, at one point, uh, and love on these kids as well, so please do that. But uh, she came in with a very beautiful smile. She just got back from Africa, so she had a nice tan. Um, and she just wanted to serve. So I was like, sweet. And then uh, <laughs> there's opportunity she was going to go to now the fifth, uh, there would have been Switch at the time or Axis. Uh, and I remember Brian Schwambeck, my, uh, if you guys remember him, uh, my boss before. Uh, and he was like, uh, I think she's going to possibly come with us. I was like, good, good, good. <laughs> he went home and thanked the Lord that night. That's awesome. All right, let's, let's swing it back around. Jess, what was one of the things that was most attractive to you about Jacob? Um, so, like he said, we were friends for a long time. So, like, that initial, um, like, being physically attracted to each other, like, wasn't necessarily there, but it kind of grew over time. And so something that I really um, 
loved when we started dating was just he you know, he's like a big guy, he's a big dude. Like he's got long arms and long legs and he just made me feel really small. Like he made me feel like he would hold, you know, hug me and it just made Aww. me feel like precious, you, you know? Up in that hug. <laughs> um, and then, you know, to, again, the friendship, but um, m more, you know, more than that is, um, I, I came from a broken home. My parents got divorced when I was in high school. Um, and so what I really didn't even know that I was looking for was just like a, a consistency, like a steadfastness mm. that he always, like I think that, that friendship was key in that, that he was always there, like he was always willing to listen to whatever craziness I was coming up with. Um, so that was just really, you know, not something that I found in every relationship that I'd been in, was mm. just the, the consistency and the, the being there no matter what. That's cool. Betsy, how about Greg? What was something that you found attractive about him at the beginning? Well, Greg also has a fabulous sense of style. Oh, yeah. As you can tell. <laughs> okay, this is really for 50s decade it's night. So night it's not his norm. After it's after. Um, but my family did find it comical. Our first date, he showed up and had cut off sleeves. He had cargo shorts and he had hiking boots. And I'm like, Winner, winner, right there, right? <laughs> so listen, listen, you can't give up, okay? You can help him with style. So that is, that is not, you know, yes, yes, Greg says it worked. Um, so that is not something to take him out of the game. So you can work with that. But his sense of humor is just amazing. Like we laugh all the time and we just have a great time together. That's good. No, that's really good. All right, Paige. Okay, well, as you heard, um, when we first met, I walked in with another guy, and I had been in another relationship, and so initially, I didn't really pay too much attention to Chris Birch <laughs> in that moment. I was just, to be honest, he, he was a guy who worked at the church, and that was fine. Um, and then as I started serving, I just saw his genuine love for the Lord, and I think that was the first thing that stood out. Um, but I do recall from our first date, he... so immediately wanted to just get to know me. He sat down, he listened to me, um, and it was this, just this concept of being seen and being heard that I think was so different. And I loved that he really wanted to spend that time getting to know me and who I was, and that, that stood out a lot, just showed who he was as a person. That's really cool. I, I hope high school students, you're hearing some of this as you're thinking about your relationships or future relationships, like this is some good stuff. Uh, it's easy to be like, I want him to be the hottest person in the room. Um, but man, like, what about the friendship piece? What about the communication? What about that genuine just interest in one another? Like, this is, this is good stuff. So thank y'all. Thank y'all for sharing that. All right, let's spin it forward a little bit. What is one obstacle that you've had to overcome in your marriage? Uh, I'll throw it down to y'all, Greg and Betsy. You got one? I was... Um going to say our financial differences. Sure. Um, I'm more um, frugal, cheap, um, cheap. saver. <laughs> um, she's a spender, but, in, but she's very generous. So it's hard to get mad if she's spending money being generous. But he wants me to have less friends, is what he wants. Yes. <laughs> oh, less friends, yes. she says. Love less people. Yes. Uh, but no, it, it, that's been one of the things that's been just attention, I guess, that we've had to work on. A lot of conversation around it? Yeah. It's good. I mean, since the beginning, but it's something we just talk about and figure it out. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. 
about you, Birches? What's, what's an obstacle you've overcome in your marriage? Um, well, one, it's, you know, a year and a little bit <clears throat> for us. So realizing, like, one, dating someone, you get to know this person, and then finally, you know, you're in love, you both figure it out, you want to get married, and then living with that person in a one-bedroom apartment. Um, <laughs> you think you're ready, and then that, it changes just a little bit. of You realize how selfish you are, mm. uh, both sides. Um, but you realize, like, something's just a little different. Even though you love, you care about this person, now you're like, for Paige, put your wet towel on, on the rack, <laughs> get off the bed which I didn't even know that was a thing I did that much. But she informed me many times. For me, uh, it was like, hey, you know, when you spit in the sink, just, just turn it on, <laughs> right? And it, Someone just, said, ugh, this is real life, people. Just, you know, like, just turn the sink on for a little bit, and it, you know, that stuff goes down the drain. Um, you let the water run a lot. I did, that's me. She says that a lot. Um, also, you know, just... The toilet paper goes a certain way. I think we all can agree on that. But there's some psychopaths out there like that the put Birches it upside down. I feel like the have another obstacle they're going to be dealing with in their marriage here now, in a few minutes. Um, <laughs> and just the simple things of knowing, like, you, like, we know this. We know that we are selfish creatures, but realizing it and with looking at someone that you love and care about and understanding, like, this is my love mm -hmm. of my life. And yeah. I am a selfish person. And then on top of that, one quick one, uh, just because you've learned to do something your whole life, when someone else comes in and does it a different way, that doesn't mean they're wrong. Hmm. But as, again, human beings, we want to be quickly to be like, hey, the way you're doing that is wrong. Or the way I'm driving, just because I don't take this exit, I like to go this way in turn. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. We're, we drive differently, whatever we may do. We are going to learn and do different things. Um, anything else, honey? No, those are good. We covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bible tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. So I hope, I hope that, seriously, like, Chris is describing very real-life things. It, it happens. All right, Russo's, what's an obstacle you got? I loved all of their newlywed examples, by the That's way. Good. It was no, just good. so good. Uh, so real. Uh, so real. The, when we were talking about this question, I kind of was struggling with this question at first, not because we never faced obstacles, but, like, yeah, uh, but just like what what were some things? And so then she reminded me like some things that we went through in, in seasons for sure. So one particular season, uh, we both like I was not always a pastor. Um, I used to be a, a retail manager for Barnes and Noble, and she was a ma uh, manager for Starbucks. And uh, we worked very opposite shifts while also having two very small children. Um, and we would be ships passing in the night. We would be. Uh, I she would work from you know, 5 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., and then I would work from 2.30 p.m. to 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night. Um, and that would be a lot, of our, a lot of our days where I'm with the kids in the morning, and then she's with the kids at night, or vice versa. Um, and so it was a tough time, and think, just coming out of that, uh, one, realizing that's a season. Um, God may put you in that season of life with, with your significant other, um, and it's not meant to be lived in forever, um, but you may live that season for 10 years, 
15 years. We were lucky to only probably, what, three years of that? Three years of that. Um, but it happens, and it's, um, it's, it's tough, and you've got to figure out how to make time for each other, and I know that's the next question too. But, um, and then another obstacle that we faced, particularly uh, that was hard for us, or specifically me, but like was my parents getting divorced. Um, I put my dad on such a pedestal for years and years and years. I looked up to him as a husband. Um, and because she had gone through that valley before um, in high school, uh, when my dad then told me later on in life, once I was already married, had two kids, uh, and my faith was really rocked at that point, um, she was my rock. Like, she, she basically, like, with the lack of a better term, like, held my hand through all of it and was everything I needed to get through it. So um, you'll, you'll learn, like, each of you, your spouses have things that they've lived life in different, obviously you guys have lived two very different lives, and this, this divorce piece is an extreme example, but like that will, the, the valleys you're going through now in high school will potentially help your spouse later on when they're going through those same valleys. No so. doubt, no doubt. I, I wanna say to you high school students, you might think that the person you marry one day is perfect. They are not, and neither are you. You will have obstacles. Like, oh, we never fight. That's deeply unhealthy. You will have obstacles to overcome. I would highly encourage you, before you take the plunge and get married, walk through some premarital counseling. Talk through these things. You know, Greg talked about finances. My, the person who did our premarital counseling for me and Julie told us, you need to talk at least about these two things, your financial situation and sex you will have more fights about money and sex than anything else if you don't have those conversations in advance so just kind of my two cents on that uh thank you all for sharing i'm i'm going to kind of combine these next two questions just because as i'm sitting here thinking through it i think they kind of make sense so the first question is this how do you keep romance alive in the busy pace of everyday life and then kind of with that what do you do for fun together what's a good date night look like so talk to us about romance keeping it fun Keeping it spicy, maybe, but not too spicy because we're sitting here at church. Uh, and I'm throwing over to you, Birches, first. Um, I think, well, just going to like keeping the romance alive in the busy of everyday life. I think the little things go a long way. Um, just kind of like checking in with each other during the day. I know for me, and again, depending on your love language, depending on what works for you and your relationship, but just like the little things, leaving notes or, um, you know, thinking of picking up stuff around the house, like the acts of service stuff, I think helps do that too. Um, I don't know. What about you? Uh, for me, <clears throat> it's, like, just little things as well, like uh, Paige makes me coffee every morning, mm. like just every morning. And I know it's a little thing, but it's like someone cares about me uh, to either while I'm in the shower or before I even wake up on certain days, uh, just to make me coffee. Like, who am I that deserves that? Like, for someone else to make me something that she knows I enjoy and helps me for the fuel of my day. But just those little things. Um, as well, and the little fun get together. What's a good date night? Uh, just figuring out like what you both like, um, and it's it's okay. There's some times where one of us doesn't like a certain thing, but we do it because we know the other person does. Um, last week we had a fun little celebration day. We just went up um, to Asheville and just had fun together. Uh, Paige 
really big pinball fan. Just loves pinball. So there's an arcade in Asheville, and you can stay there all day and play pinball. And we played pinball for hours. <laughs> it was really fun. Oh, she wants the mic back. I was just going to say, yeah, I think like those mutual interests that you have when you first meet and you're dating of like, what do we like to do together and how, you know, making sure to make time to do those things even throughout your marriage, even if it's just like one day a month or something, yeah. depending on your schedules. Like we love to go to the mountains. We love to drive around. We love to um, even watch a movie together. So those little things that we can make time for, I think we just... We try and do that intentionally. That's good. Russo's, romance, date night. How do y'all keep the fun alive? Um, so I think, you know, romance, you obviously, um, you think physically, and that is very important, but it's also good to understand that that's not just a physical thing. Like, romance is like, like you guys were talking about, like doing little things for each other and acting intentionally to care for one another, having conversations, asking how someone's day was and actually listening and caring. And caring. Um, so, you know, especially for me, I think just like having a conversation that's like an adult conversation is, is really valuable. <laughs> um, I got lots of like kids around me all day. Um, so yeah, sometimes just like having someone like care what I did that day. Um, mm -hmm really means a lot, and I know that sounds really basic, but, you know, <laughs> I guess That's it good. is what it is. Sometimes but basic is what we need. Like, yeah. it's so good. No. And then just being intentional about the time that you spend together, whether it's, like, you know, watching a movie together or it's playing a game or just, you know, having dinner, just, you know, putting the kids to bed and having dinner together. Like, those those kinds of things are important to, to remember that, like, we are a team and it's not just you know, surviving the day, but it's also continuing our relationship and in, in the midst of, of busy life because when life does slow down as, as we get older, we still want our relationship to be strong and that we've grown together. Um, and then for fun, I, we do a lot of um, escape rooms. Uh, we really, really love doing escape rooms. Um, and really anything that we can team up, you know, yeah. we've done trivia nights together. We want, uh, those, it was really fun. We won just the two of us against like, bunch of other teams so that was it was all him so yeah, it was. yeah I mean it was, we were awesome together but like we we actually prefer to do escape rooms just the two of us yeah. like there's like you have like capacity of eight like I'd rather just just the two of us knock it out um because one like she's the one I'm going to bounce everything off of like she's the one I want to be she's the person I want to be on the team with the most anyway um and yeah, we've done like 30 plus, I think, at least. So we, if you need any reviews on escape rooms, just come talk to See us. See the Russos. So. They can tell you all, all about it. Escape yes. Rooms. That's good. My love language. Your love language. Uh, Greg and Betsy, you guys have been married the longest of everybody on stage. So in the busyness of life, uh, having kids, just everything that's going on. How do you keep romance alive? How do you prioritize each other? Yeah, well, I'm sure you've heard Love Languages mentioned a lot. It's a fabulous book, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And that is really important in your marriage to know how your spouse receives love because how you receive love may not be the same. Um, so Greg was super stoked when we were engaged and we took the test and we were almost identical, okay? Well, talking about seasons of your marriage, as I became a wife and as I became a mother, my love language changed, and Greg was not so stoked about that. Um, so now, 
Yeah, so it was definitely physical touch, and it changed to acts of service. So, <laughs> yeah, so Greg That's now cool. gets to vacuum for me, do the dishwasher, all of that fun stuff. So he would much rather have physical touch, as you can imagine. Um, so just keep that in mind as you're seeking a mate. Um, it's not a deal breaker that they're opposite of you, but you really may need to work harder at that. Um, but that's an important highlight to think of in your marriage. Um, and I'll let you talk about our date night. Was that fun? Oh, one more small thing. Um, we talked about little notes and stuff. When I first went to the Cove, it was hard for me to leave my babies all weekend with Greg. No. No, just in general. Um, they were only two and four at the <laughs> Wasn't time. Wasn't about you, Greg. Yes, not just with Greg. But it was a lot. It was my first weekend away. Um, and so uh, to help me prepare, I left a little scavenger hunt for Greg. Um, so he had to know things about me in order to get the prize at the end. Nice. So it was kind of fun. So I, it helped me to say goodbye. Um, and it left him a little bonus of goodie snacks at the end if he knew about me. So, yeah. Greg, I just, think we all got to know. Did you, did you get it? He <laughs> never found them. He goes, it's been They're rotting away somewhere. Yes. <laughs> no. um, oh, so like date nights, we, we don't do a lot of date nights where it's just the two of us. Um, occasionally, we'll get a babysitter. Thank you, Sophie. Sophie. <laughs> Shout out to Sophie. Um, but a lot of times when we go out, we'll take the kids with us, and we're fine with them experiencing, you know, when we go out. Or we'll go with another couple that has kids, and the kids can play together, you know, and we have other couple time. It's cool. Um, but a lot of times a date night might just be getting the kids to bed on time, some popcorn and a movie, yeah. you know, without them. Yeah. I feel like what I heard a lot of them say is it doesn't have to be this grand gesture like you see in Hollywood. Sometimes it's just being consistent and doing the little things. And again, you're like, this is silly, I'm not married. But you can start to build some of these things in as you're dating and as you're thinking about getting married one day, so... Cool. Thank you all for sharing that. All right, I'm going to go to the Russos first, uh, and I just want to know about your faith. How does your faith impact your marriage? You know, we talk about just not being unequally yoked. We want to be two people who are pursuing Christ together. So how, how does your faith factor into your marriage? How do you make that a priority, Russos? Um, so when we were discussing this question, um, we sort of thought a lot about when we first got married, and we both went to Liberty, which is a Christian school, um, but we moved to a town, like we didn't know anybody, we didn't know anything, and so we didn't really get plugged into a church, like we weren't going to church, we weren't involved in a small group, like we just sort of checked out from like being a, a good Christian, I guess, um, and so, you know, looking back on that, like that's something that was obviously missing tremendously from our, you know, the first few years of our marriage. Um, and when we finally ended up moving down here and having kids and we like literally lived across the street from Brookwood and I got, I was like, I guess we're going to this church. Um, <laughs> so, so it's a huge, I mean, it's a huge part of, of your marriage and, and looking back, like we missed a lot of years that we could have been growing our faith together and we could have been growing our faith individually that we just weren't. And, and some of that was, we didn't push each other. You know, we didn't, neither of us made it a priority. And, um, that's missed time, you know, and it's um, missed, in, again, in that part of our marriage in the beginning. Um, so I, I think that's just something so important to, to take into consideration is 
just making that a priority from the very beginning. And sometimes it feels awkward to like pray together or like do a Bible study together or talk about what your, your struggles are in your faith, but it's so, so important. And the more that you can do it, the less weird it feels and the more normal it becomes. Um, and that's really where you want to be is where you can talk about the questions you have. And, um, you know, that's, that's changed our, our marriage a lot. Just the way that we talk about things, the way that we plan things, the way that we, um, you know, move towards the future, the, ra- the way that we raise our kids, like it, it makes such a huge, huge difference. So I just, yeah, I encourage you to like make that a priority in your individual life. And then as you pursue someone dating, if that's what you choose to do, then make that a priority, even when you're dating, like you don't have to get into the, the depths of the oceans of your faith, but you know, pray for each other. Just what did you read in your Bible today? Like little, little things like that. Cause it needs to be important to both of you, especially if it's important to you as an individual. It's a good word. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, the biggest thing, like, like she said, like uh, the difference year one versus year 12 and a half. Um, the, I am, I am moved by my wife's faith consistently um, now, like, not that I wasn't back then, but like now, like seeing her, um, in, in what she does well, um, whether it's being a, a high school leader, uh, to, to some of you ladies, uh, to, uh, her pursuit of reading the word, um, and reading it like cover to cover, um, and being in uh, a bunch of different like Bible studies, like, furthering her faith and furthering her appreciation of God's word, like, um, is, is huge to me. Um, and uh, it's something that men of uh, hopefully eventually you will appreciate in, in your, in your significant other and, and, and ladies as well. Like uh, there's something to really, really admire. Um, and it's super, super attractive. So nice. How about you Hills? Yeah, they actually took a lot of what I was going to say. Uh, th- just okay. that whole <laughs> yeah, the whole idea of having that common mutual faith, it's, it's critical. Um, Perry talked about it this morning. He did, yeah. And it's not a suggestion. It's, it's a command, do not, because, uh, I mean, I just can't stress the importance of it. Everything, your worldview and everything comes from your faith. The way you um, are in your marriage, the way you, um, are, as a parent, everything is going to come from that. The things in your life that you're passionate about, that you support, the things you reject, all is based from your faith. And if that is, um, is not shared, it's, it's going to be a point of uh, stress in your marriage. Um, when Betsy and I met, um, and this kind of ties back to one of the things, first question, when we were, what I was attracted to, we worked in um, youth ministry together. And it was that shared faith and that passion, you know, volunteering in the ministry, it was another thing that drew us together. I think similarly, we met at church, and so I think going into our relationship, that was definitely something that was important to both of us. I know personally, that was not something that was central to my relationships prior to Chris, Um, and so I think, you know, I needed that time to realize, okay, this is really important to me. This is something I want to prioritize in my relationship and in my marriage, and so um, we knew going into getting married, that was something that we really wanted to continue serving. Um, we got a devotion 
for our wedding, I guess. I guess at our wedding. Um, that was for every week of your first year of marriage. And so that was something we really tried. We got a little behind. But we tried to be really intentional in doing one of those devotions every week just to kind of stay connected in that way um, outside of, you know, church as a job or church as serving and volunteering, but really making it important to us in our marriage. Um, So that devotion, I think, really helped us and was really nice to just connect in that way. We're also in a small group, so we're able to also take uh, what we learn and read during the week and be able to discuss that uh, with each other. And so as we're both diving in in certain things, um, serving is big. Like, Mm. my wife serves with me in middle school. I did not ask her to. It's just one of the things that she wanted to, and that's a really awesome, amazing thing from the first place I met her to also that's what we do together. I did ask her to go to 11 o'clock service again, because we are short leaders, <clears throat> only if there was a room of people. Guys, anyway, so <clears throat> serving. Hey, and, and just to underscore, I think Greg was saying this too. Like, it's so important. And, and I know you think like they're really cute, they're really sweet, they smell really good, whatever. I don't know. Don't missionary date. If you don't have Jesus in common, you have nothing in common eternally. So make sure that you're thinking about your faith in your relationships because that will obviously factor in your marriage, how you handle your finances, how you handle parenting, et cetera, et cetera. All right, uh, I'm going to skip over the next one. I want to talk about conflict because, again, I said this a few minutes ago, you will have conflict in marriage. Like, it's inevitable. No matter how wonderful each of you are, you will have conflict. So, Betsy and Greg, when you guys have conflict, how do you process through that? What does that look like? Um. I'll start saying we are not typical or we don't really have a lot of conflict. We're not the typical opposites attract. We rarely ever disagree, which is odd, I know. Um, but when we do, like, say it's over finances or something, the, the first thing is I need, like, like, that would be my issue, and I realize this is a problem. Then I need to decide, is this just something she's done that's annoying me, or is it actually a problem? Because th- then that determines how you approach it or even if you do approach it. If it's just an annoyance, is it something you can deal with or is it worth making an issue out of? Mm. Um, and if it is something, then um, the way I would handle it would be like usually wait for the kids to go to bed so we can have alone time and then uh, just start a conversation. And the, the key too, is when you start that conversation, you have to, I, I have to come to her with the understanding of whatever this problem is, it's not something she's done to try to hurt me or be mean to me. She's She's on my team. Hmm. We're not enemies in this. And if I come at it from the point of view that she's done something on purpose, we're not going to accomplish anything in that. And that would, if that's the issue, that, there's generally something deeper that needs to be talked about than whatever that issue I'm bringing up. Um, so many fights can be prevented if you just always realize um, whatever it is you're upset about, most likely they didn't do it on purpose. And just keep that in mind. That is so good. You want to add to that, Betsy? Yeah, Yeah, just remind yourself, you married a good-willed man, a good-willed woman. Like, that is their intention, is to be your teammate and not to be against you. Hmm. Um, And communication is huge. Um, So when we were engaged... Um, we were going down the road on the way to youth ministry and I was talking about one of my close friends and I was going to be matron of honor two weeks after our wedding. 
you know, for her wedding. And we were talking about the cost of the dresses and it came up and I said, well, hers is so much less than mine, you know? And he goes, well, it's because she requires less material. And God, I'm like, so I immediately became quiet, looked out the window and I'm like, what is my future husband saying about me right now? And I was just like broke down and I just started crying, but it was silently. He had no idea. And then he looked over, he pulled over and he goes, what is going on? And so, you know, we had the heart to heart and he goes, no, Betsy, it's because she's five foot. She's a lot shorter than you. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, because I was like, and he goes, do you think I'm really a jerk? Like, you know? um, but it's communication, like yeah. what he was thinking and how I perceived it were total opposites of the spectrum. So just keep that in mind. Like I should have reaffirmed and been like, what are you saying? I should have been vocal at that time, but we were new in our relationship, you being engaged and all that, you know. So just take that time and I need to remind myself of the man I was marrying and he would never say anything like that. So... Anyway, just Greg, uh, I, I was worried for you, even though that was so many yes. years ago just now. Yes. I was very concerned. Yes. She still yes. remembers. That's right. That's right. And I mean, those moments are impactful, but yeah. you remind yourself like this is a season of your marriage and communication is huge. That's huge. I do have no, to be careful so with my sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. Make sure it's yeah. clear what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Birches, when you guys have conflicts, how do you uh, process? Still, even early on you guys saying those things, it's still huge things. Um, one, and that's something we still talk through at the end uh, of uh, our conversations and things that we are going through conflict, but we are on the same team. And even though at the time it does feel like you're talking through something, you disagree with something, uh, again, just because one person thinks something else, it doesn't mean you're both wrong. It's just that ability like, hey, at the end of the day, I love you, and you love me, and that's the most important thing. Like, you are the love of my life. Uh, so that's the big thing. We are a team, and we're going to get through this. Uh, even though something could seem silly, it's not always silly to the other person. Um, and understanding those jokes uh, and knowing who your personality is and knowing where you're coming from. But sometimes you might say something, and they start crying silently in the car, you need to be able to apologize for what you can apologize for, the thing that you've done to hurt that person's feelings. Because uh, even though it was a hilarious joke, they might not have thought it was hilarious. So you have to be... Any examples? You want me to say it? No. No, please don't. Don't? I don't know. Do you want to share it? Okay. Uh, so yes, um, Friday? Friday, oh. Friday I had food poisoning. Um, and I was, I was vomiting everywhere. She took care of me, love of my life, it was great. Um, she worked in bed, <clears throat> got so much stuff done. Uh, and uh, the next day I was like, I mean, you did stay in bed all day. Cause it was true, she stayed in bed all day. And she was like, and I did what? I mean, you work, but you still were in bed all day long. She did not like that joke. Uh, it was just two of you <laughs> laughed too. Funny yeah. joke, right? Yeah, I know, that didn't go well. You set me up. Um, yeah, it was fun though, but, um, just being able to talk through those things, you are a team. And I'll say like one of the biggest things, like we got into counseling pretty early, um, just being able to talk through different things and understanding we are two different people. Uh, so like, uh, we have counseling this Wednesday on our follow-up check-in appointments, but that was a big thing that we jumped in pretty early. You want the mic. 
I was just going to jump in on that. Because, yes, you do come from very different places. Even if you have similar family backgrounds, your families are not identical. You communicate probably a little differently than your spouse or than your girlfriend or boyfriend. So I think that was one thing for us. We just wanted to know how to communicate well. We wanted to know, you know, this is how you grew up and this is how I grew up. But that doesn't mean that those ways were right, that the things that we saw in our home were always done well. So how can we come together and create a new way of communicating that is good and that is healthy for us? And so I think counseling has helped us a lot with that, with just coming together and communicating in a, in a more healthy way. That's good. Russo's, when there's conflict, how do you process? Um, I think some of that is um, knowing yourself, like understanding your own, like what, I guess depending on what the conflict is, but like why are you upset? Like what is it that made you upset? And this is, you know, it's all kind of similar, but um, being able to know like am I hurt by something that's like a real problem or am I hurt by something that's like a perceived, you know, issue? And, and knowing, yeah, knowing how to, how to communicate that um, I think is just so, so important. If you've ever talked to me about relationships at all, I have probably told you that people cannot read your mind. Like, you cannot expect for anyone to just know what your problem is and know what you need. Like, no one's ever going to know that. That's not a thing. Um, no matter how great your relationship is, no matter how much you love each other, like, he's never going to read my mind, ever, because that mm. just doesn't exist. So I think that's something that, I mean, honestly, still, I'm sometimes like, oh, just kidding, you did not know what was going on in there before I started talking. Um, like, last week, he was like, I'm, I need you to, like, tell me the thought process before you got there. Um, but, yeah, like, he's not going to know that I'm upset because I'm, like, sending him all these ESP signals. Like, that's just not, it's not fair to him to expect him to do that. Um, and I think sometimes... I mean, I've only been a girl, but as, as a female, like, I think we, we just want people to know what our feelings are without having to tell them. But um, being able to communicate your, your feelings and your, your, your hurts um, is really, really important. They're just, they're not going to know without you telling them. I mean, you're, we've said it, I think, already from the stage, like, in conflict, usually it comes down to some sort of selfishness that's happening within you. Um, and so whenever you're feeling conflict, whenever you're feeling some sort of like tension in your marriage, in your relationship, there's usually some sort of selfishness that's going on on your part. Um, and then just trying to figure out, like we, we've talked about on the stage, like marriage and then also having kids, like you don't realize how selfish you are as a human being until you have another life that depends on you, another life that, um, that needs to be cared for by you, um, all of a sudden the things you're like, oh man, I, I spent a lot of time doing this or I spent a lot of time doing that and like those things are, cannot be, you know, primary anymore. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, you'll, you'll find out real quick um, the things that need to matter more. That's good. A couple things I would tack on there, like we have a tendency sometimes to hold people to uncommunicated expectations and it's like, well, why aren't you doing what I definitely want you to do but I actually never told you? So communication is key and then uh, this kind of comes back to, to something I think that the Hills were saying and we've talked about it before. You have to decide at some point what is more important to you, the relationship or being right. And sometimes you can be right in the wrong way, like, ha, gotcha! Oops, now, you, you, now you're not right, now you're being a jerk. 
So you, you have to weigh those things out. Um, for, for my marriage, Birch was like, I, I wonder what, how the nunnery is going to answer some of these. I get very fixated on who's right and who's wrong. And Julie will say to me a lot of the time, it's not about who's right and who's wrong because we're on the same team. And I'm like, but I was right. Um, and that's just pride and that's arrogance and that's an area I have to work on. So it's, uh, it requires consistent commitment to working through some of these things. Uh, for sake of time, I'm going to kind of bring us to the last question. I had two questions. The first was this. If you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing, what would it be as it pertains to all this? So factor that into how you would answer this. And I'm to prep you, Paige, I'm coming to you first. I want to hear from the ladies first, and then we'll come back and go uh, from the guys. So uh, what piece of advice would you give? We got a, a group of high school students. Most of the hands went up that they'd like to be married one day. So Paige, like you get one thing. If, if they wrote this one thing down, you'd feel good about them having that in their tool belt as they leave out of here, as they think about the romantic future. What would you share with them? Um, I love this question because I think as a high schooler, I would have benefited a lot from a question like this and knowing that it's okay to just take your time um, to, to really grow in the areas that you need to grow. If you feel like there's some type of anxiety or unrestlessness around your relationship, maybe exploring what that's about, um, maybe exploring that for yourself and your relationship with the Lord and just, you know, figuring out what you want in a relationship, what is important to you in a relationship. Um, Because I know there are many, many times that I did not do that for myself, that I felt like, oh, this relationship's great, and then just kind of went with it. And I know that it was not healthy for me. I know that it was not good for me. And so I think once, you know, I met Chris 10 years ago, and we didn't get married until a year and a half ago. And so I think that a year and five months and 18 days. <laughs> um, and so I think I knew that there was so much that, that needed to happen in my own heart with the Lord before we even got to that point. And so I'm very glad that I let that time happen, but it was a struggle. It was a struggle to let that be okay. And I, I just want you all to know that it's, you don't have to be ready today or tomorrow or next year or even in college. It's okay to wait till after college to pursue something serious. Um, because the relationship that comes first is your relationship with the Lord. And so um, that was just, I think, a big thing for me. That's good. Jess? So many things that I wanted to say. Um, but I think really it kind of boils down to, for me, is um, you don't need anything to complete you except for Christ. And you can look, and that's romantically, that's your job, that's anything. You, you do not need anything other than Christ to complete you. You are enough on your own, and you are all that he needs. And I think that's something that, um, you know, we all try and, and fill that hole inside of ourselves that's shaped like Jesus with like anything else. Um, and if you fill that with Christ first, then nothing else really matters. Um, and you, you can find contentment in your life and, and things tend to, to be a little bit happier for you. So, um, yeah, that's definitely advice that I wish someone had told me is that, yeah, you're, you're enough without all the stuff, all the things, anything except for Christ. So that needs to be your number one priority. That's good. Betsy, how about you? Uh, for me, I think prayer is an important thing. It's something I should have done a lot more as I was seeking 
um, my future spouse. And when we were married, um, Greg had wrote me a letter and it was just titled to my future wife. And it was just amazing to see his heart poured out on these pages for me. And at the time he hadn't even met me like just to do, I mean, just to hold that and to feel your husband's heart, um, a tangible thing to hold. It's just amazing. Um, so prayer is what I'm seeking now for my children. Um, we have two girls. Um, so in our room, um, in a shadow box are two bow ties. So that's reminding me to pray for my girls as future husbands. Um, and then when they're 16, um, they will choose neckties for their husband. Um, uh, something tangible for them to pray for their future spouse. God, that's really good. She's about to make me cry out here, y'all. Yeah. All right, Bert, I'm, I'm coming back down here to you, good buddy. So what, what advice would you give? One, one thing for them to walk away with, if nothing else, uh, as they consider their romantic futures. I don't want to be mean or, or brutal with this. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you, of a place of love, uh, right now you're in high school. The chance that you do marry your boyfriend, girlfriend in this room is really low. Not saying it won't happen. I'm not saying that. There's a chance that it's very low. So as you are kissing, holding hands, hugging, making out, um, and pushing those things, I know Kevin talked about, we do like to find that line and be like, hey, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Is this too far? Is this too far? And when we start doing those things, um, could it, who knows what that leads to? Uh, is that the person that is, is going to be your wife one day or husband one day? Maybe not. And you gave that piece away. That could be with the person, as we look at that, as the big thing that I see in their romantic future. Because then you will have this conversation later on in life where you're like, well, it wasn't you. It was with someone else. And then there's other things that, that can open a door with. We're talking through our sex series with the middle schoolers right now as well, but the damage that can cause later on through different things. So uh, I'm encouraging you. And I know at the moment it feels great, feels wonderful, you're in love, but really think, hey, right now in high school, do you think the college version of yourself will be wiser? Thank you, one person. <clears throat> well, um, if you guys believe right now is the smartest and wisest you'll ever be, good luck. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> you will get smarter. You will be wiser. You will meet different people. Uh, you will meet the love of your life probably later than you think or at the time when you don't think you are whole or you'll never be perfect. Uh, I was 23 when I met Paige. I was 30. One, when I got married, it takes time. Uh, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all that stuff. It takes time to develop. So uh, don't rush anything, especially romantic uh, life when you're going to give that to someone else. Take your time. I know when we live in a world where it's like uh, sex is okay, do it with whoever you want, no consequences. There are. There are consequences. It's mm, good. Jacob? Well, darn it, Chris Birch, you took exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, just to, just to double down on what Chris was saying, uh, I used this stat one time when I was, when I was teaching, but out of a hundred people who are dating, uh, in high school, 12 of those, 12 of those couples 
12 out of those 100 couples will end up married. And that sounds like a great statistic um, until you find out that only five of those 12 actually end up staying married. Um, and then only two out of those five report being happily married. Um, so that's, that's not great. Um, but also, uh, to, again, to, to, again, Chris, just a wealth of knowledge because he's, he's, he's in his 30s now. He's much wiser than he was when he was in high school and in college. But uh, to, to emphasize what he's saying, you will never, you will never be married and think of the romantic things that you do with your wife or do with your husband and think, man, I wish I had done more with more people. It won't. It, you won't think that. I know that. And that's sometimes the, the script we kind of we give ourselves or like sometimes we hear like in culture now is like, you know, you've got to get out there. You got to, you know, you got to you got to see what you like. I, this was popular during when, when I was growing up, like, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't buy a car without test driving it. Like, what a terrible analogy, <laughs> like, to, to put into, into romance and to, into sexuality, but you will, you will not enter marriage thinking, man, I wish I had done more with more people, because all that does is you take that with you into marriage, and it does nothing but corrupt it. So it's a good word. Good word. Greg, you get the last word, my friend. What's it took everything. No, um, I think about first what, what Jess said about not needing anything else. That was something that took me a while to learn. And I, I think, I think that extended the years that I was single. God was working on me, trying to teach me that you don't need anything else. Be content with me first. Um, and I, I think it was after when I learned that, that's when he brought Betsy into my life. But um, the thing I learned from it was don't spend your singleness trying to find the one. Use that time to become the one that God wants for your future spouse. Mm-hmm. That's so good. So good. Chris, something just, somebody said. One more thing something. to add on that. Um, and I know it could seem like we were bashing on people that has had sex. And I know we, we were not. You can talk to Jacob uh, privately too. That's not. And one thing we want to know, if you have crossed that line, God still loves you. We still love you. We're just trying to let you know that that is not God's plan for that to happen, uh, for you to do that. So again, we want to push that and encourage you. Like if you have had sex already, again, this is a process. So it's not like ripping a Band-Aid off. You're like, hey, I've had sex with one person. Yeah, I broke the sin. I'll just keep doing it. You can still check yourself and get in line and stop it. Stop the bleeding pretty much. Uh, from that, but just realize like you are still loved, you're still cared about, you're still a beautiful person. Uh, hey, we all sin, we all make mistakes. Yeah, we talked about this last week. Gra- grace abounds. So, listen, maybe you've already gotten some things wrong in your dating relationships. Maybe tonight you learned something. You're like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna carry that into my future, and I, I hope that this has been beneficial to you. Let me encourage you to take another step tonight. You you could feel free to, to talk to this crew uh, tonight or another night. Talk to healthy couples that you know. Talk to your community group leader. Talk to your family. Just get alongside some people who have healthy relationships and just ask good questions. Some of the questions we asked tonight, I'll give you the list if you want it, and you can, you can work through some of that stuff. All right? Can we give a big round of applause for our panelists tonight for being here and sharing? Thank, seriously, thank 
all six of you for sharing so honestly, so vulnerably. It really is. It's encouraging to me. I wrote a lot of stuff down. You're like, why is he writing this stuff down? Because I'm trying to learn. Um, I still desire to grow in this area myself. So let me pray for us, and then you will be dismissed. God, thank you so much for how gracious you are to us. We have all fallen short of your glory in so many ways, and some of us We've made some really terrible decisions in our romantic lives. And and God, I pray for the person right now who might be grappling with just immense guilt or shame. God, I pray they would understand that does not come from you, that you love them, that your grace is readily available to them. God, I pray that that some of the wisdom that was shared tonight would, would seep in, God, that we would internalize it, that we would think differently about our relationships, God, that we would approach uh, our dating life and one day perhaps our marriages uh, with you as the, as the primary priority uh, between us. And so, so God, give us uh, conviction to do that. Bless these students as they leave this place and go into so many different things this week. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray.